Welcome to the podcast on music, art and culture. I'm your host, Matthijs de Bruin. This episode's guest is installation artist Emma van Noord. Emma and I have been friends for a long time and we often talk about art. Even though this is a really polite conversation, I think the fact that we know each other really well helps to take away some of the inhibition and allows us to spar with ideas a little more freely. I'm very happy to have Emma van Oort on the podcast. So you're an artist and you are creative. And I was wondering, when uh, did it start to manifest? Well, I think it was just always there. From an early age? Yeah. Yeah, for as long as I can remember, I've been making things. Can you tell me the story about your paper shoe? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Um, when I was a kid, I, um, I I I would I would come up with solutions. I would sort of um, I couldn't really play on my own, but when I did, I I I was inventive. Mm. And at some point, I um, yeah, I <laughs> I made my own shoes out of um, A4 paper like the printing paper, and I just put my food on there. And um, when I, um, and, and then I, I would just cut around it and I came up with ways that it would stick to my feet and then I would walk outside on paper shoes. And I don't know why I did that. I, I think I, I wanted to have some sandals and I saw the paper and I just made it. <laughs> pretty amazing for a small child too. Um, being able to imagine how something has to be made. Well, I think that's it. When I see something, I'll and that's something that I still have. And as a as a child, I would have I I had it as well, that I would um, invent a way to make it. So it's it's like unfolding a box or an unfolded box and imagining it how it's how it will be a box. If you if you yeah. understand like a yeah. layout. So uh, before we uh, we started recording this, uh, we had a conversation uh, similar to this, and you told me you couldn't play with Lego because it was too um, too damned in. It's too yeah. too too um, too limited uh, for you as a kid. And now uh, you you just added to that that you um, were always able to imagine how something had to be made. Yeah. So, I I think that's probably linked to each other. Lego was uh, not imaginative enough. I think so. It's too formalized. And it's 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 I'm I'm so used to. I mean, you had the instructions, and my brother would always build what was in the instruction, mm. and that was the to his way of playing. Yeah. And for me, it was like I would build something, and all of a sudden, I realized that the red that I run out of red bricks and I couldn't play anymore because I wanted to make like a a red sculpture or a, and and yeah I don't know it was too I, I think it's it's I mean it's a cliche but for example if we have something from IKEA mm -hmm. uh, I would lay out lay out all the parts and figure out how it would go together and Lars is going to read my boyfriend is going to read the instructions and tells me how it is and we end up no, not really fighting we we um we have different approaches yeah i guess yeah that's that, that's, <laughs> that, that's a good thing to have uh, fights about in a relationship many <laughs> me, many people do that yeah of course and uh 
Uh, and it's so, so silly because it's just a different way of operating. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's so hard for people to look out of outside of their way of operating. Like your example as a kid, how you could imagine uh, sandals from, from a sheet of paper. Um, that's the way you operate. And as a kid, you couldn't step outside of that and uh, play with Lego by building something from an instruction. Yeah. Yeah, also, uh, when I, 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 I'll, we have to make a jump in time, but when I graduated, yeah. um, I wanted to build a wooden structure, but it had to be delicate, yeah. but it also had to be big. And a lot of times my uh, dad and I would go to the, um, to the hardware store yeah. and just have discussions because my dad would say, no, this is going to come down. It, yes. it will not hold. Yeah. It, it, will, it will fall apart. And I was like, yeah, but I really like this material and it looks good. And, um, and it's, it's quite nice because uh, he taught me uh, how to be more um, practical. Mm. Uh, but he also really understands that not every wood piece of wood is uh, is good enough for the artwork. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, we and uh, always when I think of something, we would uh, discuss about how I'm going to build it, and I would. Um, yeah, it, it's nice to have. Uh, have these more practical minds uh, to um, uh, consult. To consult, yeah. One thing uh, we we just went over, and I I realized it's related to something uh, to something else, is uh, we we talked about um, how you as a child you you had one way of operating, and um, you couldn't really get outside of that, and uh, then I realized oh there's part of the inevitability of becoming an artist because it's it's just who you are and people cannot operate outside of who they are no well people do but yeah. well i had this funny uh, this interesting conversation with uh the uh with the mentor person of my uni- art university uh a half a year ago when i went back i just bumped into her in the hallway and we uh, talked about how pliable life actually is. And uh, life seems sort of infinitely malleable, malleable, pliable. And, um, but it's only uh, uh, malleable, malleable, I think is the word. Maakbaar. Malleable. It's only malleable as far as your personality allowed for it. For example, I could uh, try to study mathematics, but I'm really not gifted in that department, and become a famous uh, mathematician, but I can't. Yeah. So that's just a no-go. I can't. And also, I, I'm not the most diligent person, so I couldn't um, be... Uh, I couldn't excel at a job that requires super high levels of diligence. Because it's just not in my personality to be really good at that. So there, there are limits. And um, we, we, I asked you before, how, why, are, why don't you quit being an artist? And I think in there is part of the answer. Because it's just who you are. It's the way you function. 
Yeah, I think. I think a lot of people who didn't become officially become an artist still have to... Maybe it's not being an artist is is not who you are. It's more being creative is part of your uh, character. Yeah, the way you function. Yeah, and uh, you have really creative mathematicians. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sure. We went to the same high school, and I remember uh, in high school you were so certain of uh, the fact that you had to become an artist or that you had to make art, mainly. Yeah. Uh, Why were you so certain of that? I was just really focused on going to art school. And when I graduated art school, I was like, now what? <laughs> What's the next step? Yeah. Because then you have like a sort of emptiness. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, you have to figure out how to, uh, how to be one, I yeah. think. Um, but um, I don't know. It was on preschool. Is preschool the right... No, <laughs> we have elementary school and high school in the Netherlands. Yeah, so we I think it was in elementary school that I decided I had to choose the high school and I choose the high school where you could combine art school with... You, t- you could take classes at, art sc- at the art school. Yeah. Um, so I chose that uh, high school so that I could combine it. And I... Um, at second grade, um, I... Uh, knew that there was someone giving a lecture about uh, um, art. <clears throat> and um, he was from the art school, so I uh, grabbed all my best drawings and I created a small portfolio and I just went there. Yeah. I was maybe 13 or something. And I asked if I could apply for art schools. And it was years later that I realized that that I didn't have to apply, that I didn't have to uh, show a portfolio. Okay. Uh, you j- could just go there if your grades are, were okay. Mm. And uh, it was more for people, like an extra thing, not really for people who w- actually wanted to go to art school. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but it shows how serious I took it yeah. at that age already. And I just, I just really wanted to do that. I couldn't... I don't know, I, I cannot really remember a time that I decided. It was just, I wanted to do that. And I, yeah. So, as a child, it was natural to do it. Yeah. And I guess it still is. Yeah. I cannot imagine myself not, do, not, not having an art practice. No. So, uh, um... But but still, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to take the difficult path of being a professional artist. No, but um, the more time I want to spend on art, the more serious I have to take it. Because if it's just a hobby... Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I don't... There, there's a professional... Um, the the being professional is is maybe uh, you can you can put it in two parts. People would think that it's your professional um, if you make money. Yeah. Uh, that's not necessarily my goal. Um, if 
So it's not necessarily a realistic goal. <laughs> no, that, that's that as well. Uh, it's just if I... Uh, um, but the more money I can make with my art, the more art I can make. Yeah. So uh, just before you brought up the money part, I want, would, uh, wanted to ask you, if you take the the money part out of being a professional artist and just disregard money at all. Um, what is for you the added value of engaging with art in a professional way over, or what is the difference between being an artist for life over being an artist as a side thing, as a hobby? Because I, I want to get better. So uh, I, I but, want but, to... But why? There are many people that have hobbies and they want to be really good at them. And some people yeah. are really good at their hobbies. But it's... Um, the difference between a hobby or uh, being professional is the amount of time you can spend on it. And uh, this is my first goal. It's just the top priority. And everything else is just to um, facilitate it. Okay. So why is it so important that you're willing to schedule your whole life around it? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. So two days a week wouldn't be enough? No. Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes I don't go to my studio for two weeks and sometimes I'll be there every day. Mm. Interesting. But it's always in my mind. Yeah, that's for, for me that's, uh, that, that's the same, same thing. I, I'm asking you these questions because, um, especially recently, I'm really asking these questions uh, myself. Like, how is that for me? So why wouldn't I be an, just an amateur? And I think, I suspect the answer is, the part of the answer is something like, um, because the, the part of you that is the part that makes you want to be a creative is bigger than a hobby would be in your life. Well, I think, um we are just talking about the role it would have. So it doesn't really matter if you are... Uh, if, it, if you are professional or not. It's just that I... It's just my... Um, my main goal. So... Um, if it's a hobby, but I could do that hobby full-time, mm. it would be a hobby for me. Yeah. But... I have to do it professional because then I can um, can spend more time. Mm. I think maybe the I wonder what you think about this. the The reason that we have to do it sort of full time is because um, when you do what you do in your daily life, you are um, it's basically your life is self development. Everything you do is developing parts of you and the part that we need to develop because that's where our talent is, our, our creative part. And therefore we need to be uh, creative as much of the time as possible. Yeah. And I think that's why we are so stubborn as to pursue an art career. Well, maybe, but it's also, I mean... Now we make it sound like I can spend a lot of time as an artist and I mean... In order to facilitate it, I have to have a job on the side mm -hmm. and I have to uh, 
make money in a different way and I um, sometimes I'm not able to spend time on my art because I have to work mm. uh, but most of that money goes into my practice again yeah. um, sometimes I have to save up for an artwork or uh, I mean it's not Sometimes I'm just not able to spend that much time mm. uh, on my art practice, but everything I do is to facilitate it. It sounds kind of like uh, how religious people are about their uh, church or the congregation, whatever they're part of, because they also, every, every time they have uh, outside of work, they spend on their that one thing. Yeah, but maybe it's also a part of you. Mm. It's not that you're only religious on Sunday. No. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a part of you. and it's. Uh, but then it would be really impractical if you would be in church all the time because, yeah, <laughs> how do you get food? And yes. how, do you, how can you have a home? And, yeah, mm. of course, there are people who go to that extreme. extreme but, well, never mind, that's another story. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, it's part of you, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a good analogy. So, I would also like uh, to ask you uh, some things about your art itself. Yeah. Because um, that's interesting. So, you mentioned before that um, when you uh, tried to make uh, a big wooden framework that was both uh, elegant and... Uh, no, you didn't use the word elegant. You said something else. Timid. And, uh, and stable. You had to... Uh, delicate. Delicate, yeah, that, that was it. Delicate and stable. You, uh, y- you went to the hardware store with your dad and sort of um, tried to figure out how to make it work and still be delicate. And uh, that's when I immediately thought, oh, that's sort of a, a form and function discussion. Yeah. Uh, hey, that's interesting. And uh, because um, within arts, that's more usually dis- uh, discussed as um, uh, as the being the art itself, the the form of the art and, and the function of the art. But I was like, hey, that, so there's an there's an artistic part to that and a functional part uh, to that, a practical part. Yeah. And I, th- I thought it was so interesting that you just mentioned it, and I, I was wondering, so how does the practical and the aesthetic uh, manifest in your work? Is that a constant struggle? No, it's not really a struggle. It's um, it's more of a collaboration between the two, I think. Interesting. So I would... Usually I'm inspired by the material. Mm. So that's where it starts. Um, And um, I can imagine different kind of materials together. Mm. And I think my practice is more, uh, also more material based than it's conceptual based. Um, But I, I think... Sometimes if I want to make something, mm-hmm. I have to come up with solutions. Yeah. So, and I don't really mind to make an effort mm. for that. So, 
it's not really practical always because at some point I wanted to make a mosaic out of wood and yeah. I only had the hand saw. So I would saw all the all the small pieces mm. in order to make a mosaic. And at some point I thought, no, this can be faster. So I went to the hardware store and I bought an electric uh, sewing saw machine. Yeah. I don't know the uh, English word. Saw, yeah. yeah. So that went faster. Mm. And over the time I reconstructed and my latest work is... Well, it's actually uh, based on windows, but it's, again, a mosaic. But this time uh, I had some more budget, so I could laser cut it. And now it's I found a solution to make something uh, really delicate and precise. Mm. Um, but this whole process took maybe five years. And now mm. I would learn. I would learn about how wood works, how different tools, what, what kind of tools I needed. Um, yeah. So I think this whole um, being practical with materials—that's always for me. It's always the fun part. Okay. Because that's when you can make something. You're already came up with a solution in your mind. You already, I already um, imagined it, how it should be. And then you can just start to make it. Mm. And yeah, that's the building part. And that's, that's always fun because you know it's going to be, uh, yeah, you know what to do at that mm. point. So um, you're really... Uh, keen on technique in making it I don't know if I'm keen on technique it's just a part of it okay it's um, yeah it's just, it's just a part of it I mm -hmm. guess uh, it, it will develop and at some point it will be needed so you have to okay so it's um It's still it's still serving um, some sort of imagination that you have some you yeah yeah the the works I make are not about the, sometimes you have artworks who are about the technique yeah and for me it's more something that facilitates it yeah. it's not the um, the main goal yeah, yeah yeah okay so but it's something that I'm really get enthusiastic about so yeah <laughs> that's good so how do you decide um, Where an artwork should go? Um, it's the other way around. I see a space and I make it. So I I I I usually work site specific, mm -hmm. which is really I mean, being an artist is already impractical, but this is also really impractical because mm -hmm. you always have to sort of make it on the spot. Yeah. But Um, for example, the uh, if I would exhibit exhibit in a white cube, my work would be less abstract than when I'm exhibiting in, for example, the current exhibition that I have uh, is in an old empty library. Yes. And... 
Um, yeah, there my work is more serene and more abstract in order to sort of um, make a nice combination with... Uh, so there's a sort of a balance between the environment and uh, yeah, it's the work. Yeah, it's always part of it. Even, even for example, if I make a painting, um, which uh, I would consider the size... Uh, within the space, mm. so um, I would I would be willing to adjust adjust the size of the painting if the wall needs that. If that if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. The, by the way, the cut piece of the Nachtwacht of Rembrandt. For yeah, for example. example. <laughs> for <the same> example. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. But it, it's it's interesting. It's a curating choice. It's a chop off. It's rather yeah. large, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but that that sort of suggests that uh, an, an artwork is not autonomous in its entirety. It, no. No, and also my works usually have to because, uh, as I told earlier, um, it's my works are about the combination of materials. Mm. Uh, that's also what allows me to work abstract, so that it's more about uh, about the material. But also, my works will be in relation to each other. Mm. So, uh, some I, I make series, yeah. and sometimes for an exhibition, I. Uh, think the space needs a wall and I will build a wall and then I would make a painting that fits that wall and yeah so that's how my works my work develops so I wonder uh, I've seen some of your work in a white uh, cube which is an art gallery mm-hmm. typically and I wonder uh, do you like to work with a white cube um, yes and no uh, it's a different feeling because in a white cube you can um, you get rid of all the all the noise around it. Mm. It it can just it's really um, peaceful and it's um, it's it's almost like the pedestal for for a sculpture. You know, yeah. it's it's the right. Um, environment for it but then if I'm I I usually work in spaces where um, I mean it's it's when I feel the urge to make something it's when I I I have the chance to make something for an old factory or a library or uh, the only impractical thing is that I can never sell it because it's made for the space and it can only be there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at some point I have to also make choices to make more works that that would be more autonomous. Mm. But. But you can yeah. sell a concept, and like uh, like a solid for example, which is a set of rules. And you can apply that set of rules to any wall and you will get a sort of uh, geometric True. painting on the wall. But I think the whole... Um, I don't think I'm ready for that. Because then I have to sell my rules. Yeah. And I want to make that. Yeah, so... 
Yeah, you're different artists. And also, I don't know yet what my rules are. I have some. Is, is it is it, to what degree is your work instinctual, and to what degree is it uh, intellectual? I think I work more intuitive, but I mean, you have to feed your subconsciousness in order to do so. Mm. So it's always the process where you think of first it starts with a conceptual uh, or, or story or for me, for it starts with a building, then I would look into what the space is telling me or... Uh, what the history of the space is telling me, uh, or the shapes. And then I would... I don't know, these things will develop in your subconsciousness and then you would... I would come up with... with works. Um, so it seems to be, uh, the, the way you work seems to be a way to relate to uh, the world around you. Yeah, it does. Of course, it always does. Every art. Not yeah. necessarily. It could be uh, just an expression of your inner self. Yeah, but also that relates to the, to the outside world. Sure. So yeah, okay, fair enough. You can't really... Uh, you can't make the argument that something is entirely disconnected from the outside world, but uh, when you... If it is, you don't you have make, to make, show it. For example, when I make, uh, a, say I make a song about uh, how I feel inside and I play that yeah. in the studio and people can listen to that on their iPod, whatever, on, the, on Spotify, then that would be not so connected to the outside world. But if I go to a, a certain place and then... I play reacting to that place, then I'm using the music to uh, synchronize with myself with that place. Or it's different because if you if you would just write the song for yourself, mm. if it's only for yourself, you, you don't have to share it, you don't have yeah. to play it. True. And you don't have to record it. But then when you make the choice to record it and share it mm. and people would listen to it, they can put their own feelings and their own context into it. Mm. So it's actually closer. It's it's actually, it becomes a part of someone else. Mm. So um, I, I always choose to not explain my work too much in an exhibition and people often feel the urge to ask me like why did you make it or what's it about mm. and I always tell people like first just walk around and just tell me what you think and my main goal usually is to uh, yeah to create a of peaceful environment like quiet and but if I would tell people that they would assume they have to f assume they have to feel that yeah. and I don't want that um, and sometimes I get reactions that for me are not that 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 for me will not fit the artwork but if it fits for them it's fine if it gives them something. And also, if it, if they don't like it, it's also fine. If it yeah. doesn't give them anything, it's 
Yeah, that's it's for all me. Right. It's always no problem. People assume that's hard to to get the the feedback. Well, I didn't like it at all. But that's not hard at all to get feedback. It's fine. It's fine. Totally fine. You don't have to like it. There's no pressure no. on you to like it. No. Then then look at something else. Yeah. Find something you do like. Oddly enough, I rarely get a question like, "Why do you make this kind of music?" or "What is your purpose with this music?" Nobody asks that from a musician. Yeah, but it's because the music is more in the moment, and it's. I think, especially if you have people who aren't used to contemporary art, they feel sort certain distance, and there is a distance. There is this art bubble and mm. sometimes it There's gets also bad art sold as good art because the bad art is made by the good artist or it's just I don't know I, I, I don't know if they're I think well, what I think is good someone else can think it's bad and and I mean that's the same same way they're there of course they're there are rules and there is the art scene and there is the art world in which you have to relate to I think if I would have lived a hundred years ago, I would make different works, of course. Yeah, okay. But that's not really related to if something is good or not, or that there is distance within the art world. I wonder if the art world has more distance now than it used to have. Because if you think about, um, I don't know, Picasso, for example, he was really outside of the normal world as well people thought it was a bit crazy and but then again they did sell more or maybe that's just the artists that we read about in history sold more because they're still around yeah there will would have been plenty of artists who never got the recognition so that sort of seems as a career uh, guide (laughs) seems, seems to suggest you just have to sell a lot yeah, That's why I don't know. Everywhere because he made so much. No, yeah, you need to be recognized. So, f- funny thing, uh, museums really usually buy uh, when if they have an art an artwork by I don't know by uh, Barton Newman they have one. If they have Picasso they have a series. Yeah. You can't go into a museum and find the Picasso. <laughs> They're usually four. I don't know. I never thought about it. Yeah, Picasso's always. Also, I don't like Picasso that much. But I don't like it that that much either, and I don't think. <laughs> but all it's just taste. It's it, that's for me. It's just for taste. My, I, I would go further and say that not all of his work is good. I don't know. For me, that's yeah. I'll, I'm I'm happy to uh, be uh, so uh, judgmental as to put a value judgment on art. Yeah, because um, like for if if example if you listen to music, um, if if people are listening to music and you you ask them would you prefer to listen to good music or would you prefer to listen to bad music they say oh I have the good music please yeah so if you make a playlist of music that you consider good and bad and across all genres they would pick out uh, some music they considered to be the good music and make a playlist out of that. So apparently, there, there, and if you do that with a lot of people, some songs will get picked more often and some songs would get picked never. So apparently there's something like good and bad music. 
And music is art. If there's good and bad music, there's also good and bad paintings. And well, there is, but I think... I, I don't really want to think about that, actually. Because why... Who am I to judge? Who are you not to judge? Why, could, why wouldn't you? Because if there, for example, as you say, there is bad music, if someone, so, someone gets something out of that, it's, it's enough. Okay, so you say there's, there, there might be value in, in a bad work of art. Yeah, but is it bad then? It's yeah, just considered right. bad because it's maybe shallow or it's, it's not prestigious enough. But then, if you have like the good, the good uh, music, yeah, I don't know. It's not something you can sing along with, and that's fun sometimes as well. Yeah, for example. So. So I don't think this this has to be a discussion at all. Okay. Not for me. No. So, when you make work. Um, how do you uh, differentiate between a successful artwork by you and a failure? Um, it's always temporary. Okay. Um, Did you ever throw, throw something away that you regret? Destroying a field painting? No, because I, I can always make it again. Okay. And if I can't, I would... Hold on to it. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, but I think if you want to um, develop as an artist, if you want to... I mean, my goal is to get better. Mm. And for that, I have to take risks in my work. Yeah. So... Someone once told me, like, if you exhibit, that's always the part where you know how it should have been, but then it's already there. Yes, that's definitely true. <laughs> and it's a, it's a good one, because it's not an easy feeling to always have a critical look at your own work. Mm. For me, it's always really temporary that I'm happy about a work. Um. But the moment that I'm, I don't think I reach the top, mm. that's when I'm done. Yeah. So every every artwork leads to a new work. Yeah, so there, uh, my suspicion is there is no end to it. No, it's an ongoing process. And that's, that's of course, also a good argument to but say that there, to... to Defeat uh, the value judgment of it but, but because it's just all part of a process. It's part of a process, but it's and 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 an exhibition is a is a and and maybe maybe even the artwork is just um, a moment for me. Yeah. And sometimes I have works that I continue to like. Some works that I was really happy about I look at now and I'm like no that that's not that would not fit my practice anymore and sometimes if I if I'm a little bit lost I would just remake the artworks that I liked mm -hmm. and then make them better sometimes I just ideas that I had years ago and 
yeah, then I would just go there again. I sometimes rediscover all the music that I made and I'm like, oh, it was actually quite good. Yeah, you you look with a you look in a different way to it. Yeah. And um yeah. More objectively sort of because my ego is a bit out of the way. But it's it's also that you need for example I need space to well, I I I made a lot of work this year and now although I really want to make new work and I have new ideas, I force myself to take some time to reflect on what I've made because then I I'm able to see what works, what didn't work, um, uh, which way I want to continue. I, I need to reflect, be, be able to reflect on it and I need to take time for that. And it's not really an easy feeling because I really want to continue. Mm. But, yeah. So, But you're convinced that... Um Reflecting now is better than continue making and then reflecting when you feel like reflecting. Or when you lose the urge to make. I don't I don't think I I will necessarily lose the urge to make. Okay, so you have to force yourself to reflect if you ever want to reflect. Yeah. Uh, I see. Because if I lose the urge to make it, then there's no urge to it. Funny. For me, the urge comes and goes. I can yeah. have like six months with no productivity at all and also no regret of no productivity. And I can have very strong itch yeah. to make something. Well, at some point, I, I had that in my practice as well, but I did at some point force myself to, ha- to and I, I still do that, to have a certain continu- continuity. Yeah. <laughs> um someone told me like it's it's like a muscle you have to keep moving a little mm-hmm. in order to it, it's um yeah i think that one is true yeah so so yeah you have to get your brain uh in that in the mode of making and for uh uh the listeners might have figured it out by now, but you make abstract art. <laughs> yeah, installation art. Installation art, and it's sort of um, in between a sculpture and a painting, usually. Yeah. And I wonder, um, why is it abstract, your work? Yeah, I wonder that too, because I rather want to work fig- figurative. Um, but I don't, because at the end of the day, I'm searching for just making a gesture, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I think over time my work became more abstract, and it took me a while to be confident be confident about that because i don't want it, the work to be prestigious i don't want the work to to have too much distance to its viewer mm. i want i want it to be close and i think people relate easier to figurative works than to abstract work but yeah i don't know um every time i would 
work more figurative, it felt that it was explained too much. Mm. So, yeah. And you also said, um, usually when you make an exhibition, you want to create a space, a peaceful space. Yeah, it's more the way that I uh, curate the exhibitions, mm. um, where I I'm always thinking, okay, how would the viewer enter the room and what would they see and how would they move? Mm. And um, yeah, so my approach is to see the the spaces or or the works as sort of collage. Mm. Um, where you can be a part of and usually I'm actually and I I feel more like a painter Um, but then at the same time uh, if a painting is on the wall then um, the artwork only happens within the frame of of the painting Mm. Um, because because we are used to um, we are we are used to to look at it and understand okay the artwork is happening within this frame mm. but then if the painting isn't on a wall but it's in space you mm. can walk around it and all of a sudden. Um, Physically, you can relate more to it. I feel that it can be bigger than you or smaller. And of course, yeah. on the wall, it's the same. But but still, um, if it's in space, in or 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 yeah, then all of a sudden, uh, the back is also important. Yeah, it and becomes an object. Yeah, it becomes an object and it it will relate more to the other works as well. And yeah, that that's where I think it's interesting. But then at the same time, I don't make sculptures because I, I think it was Alfred Kelly who told in an interview that he doesn't like volume. And maybe that's the same with me, that I, I um, yeah... I like things to be flat. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So you use the word uh, relating a lot. So is your artwork, your artwork seems to be a lot about relating to things. Human, the human relationship towards spaces and objects. Yeah. Yeah. But also uh, being present, that, that's how it started for me, is that I, I thought you can miss so much if mm. you just, for me it's really, I'm really used to really observe a room or, and, and people can, can, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, I, I started to make, Artworks um, for spaces related to the space in order to um, make the viewer more present. That that was the starting point, I guess, and it still is being present. Is that where the material-based approach comes from? 
could be. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. The the word I've been thinking about uh, our podcast uh, about your work, and it, I didn't say it because it doesn't seem to apply, but it, it keeps coming back. Is tactile? Your work is some. It's yeah. a very. It is very much inviting to be touched. Yeah. Except, I never actually touched it. <laughs> well, um, no, but it it is. It's it's also about that. And I don't mind if people do that. And well, s- some paintings. You can destroy things if you touch it. Yeah. But, uh, sort of the 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 way you feature materials, um, really, has a sort of touching feeling to it. Even though, yeah, it's so physical. Yeah. Yes. Even though uh, you enjoy it visually, it's physical. Yeah, but maybe that's why I wanted to be. Um, wanted to be an installation so that this physical part that you can be part of the installation you mm. can can uh, walk through it yeah you can relate to it more you, yeah it's interesting so there's this very strong um, uh, connection between um, relating to to the work and how the work um is shaped. Yeah. About this um, tactile thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um, a new work I'm going to... Or a new material I, I want to explore is the... And, oh, I don't know the English word for it. But it's the, it's the dark green foam. Okay. Uh, where you uh, put flowers in. Oh, yeah, that one. And it's always really nicely shaped yeah but every store you go someone pressed their yes. fingers in it yeah, yeah and you it's like bubble wrap you know you have to sort of to pop touch. it it's sort of <laughs> in between foam and clay i guess yeah i don't know i don't know it's it's just a weird material and i i like to this whole feeling the urge to to touch it and also i really appreciate the material in itself mm. I like the color, I like the structure. Um, yeah. It comes out if you press it hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, so so that's, uh, that's a new material I want to work with, I want to explore. That's a really good one. Yeah. I wonder what it will uh, give us. Me too. Mm. Shall we end on that one? Yeah, it's a good note to end. <laughs> All right. Emma, thank you so much for your time and talking to me. Thank you for having me. I already uh, enjoyed it. All right. <laughs>